Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks. So, want to let you know, here at Modern Day Debate, we host debates on science, religion, and politics. And we are a nonpartisan platform, which means we try to be as neutral as possible, to give everybody a fair shake. And so, want to let you know as well, if it's your first time here, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many more debates to come. For example, Creation Evolution this coming Wednesday, and then tomorrow on Secular versus Christian Morality. So that should be a juicy one. And we want to let you know, no matter what walk of life you are from, folks, for real, whether you be Christian, atheist, flat earther, glober, Democrat, Republican, you name it, we really do hope you feel welcome here. And so thanks for being with us. With that, we're going to get the ball rolling tonight. What we have is a fairly flexible format. We'll have about 10 minutes from each side, starting with Flat Earth Aussie. And then Amy will have her 10-minute opening statement, followed by a discussion, which will be about 50 to 60 minutes, and then Q&A. So if you have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat. And as well, if you happen to have a comment, Super Chat allows you to be, or basically ask a question or make a comment toward one of the speakers. And they, of course, would get a chance to respond. And it'll also, Super Chats will push your question or comment to the top of the list for the Q&A. So with that, want to remind you, or let you know for the first time, I have put the links of our speakers down in the description. So that way, if you're listening and you're like, hmm, I like that, you can hear plenty more by clicking on those links. So I do want to say thanks so much to our guests. We are thrilled to have Amy and Flat Earth Aussie. We really do appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. A good old Saturday night debate on Flat Earth. It's a true pleasure to have you on this pleasant night. So yes, thank you very much, Amy and Flat Earth Aussie. With that. All right, cheers, James, and cheers, Amy. Uh, thanks for arranging this debate. Um, hopefully it'll be a nice cordial discussion. Oh, um, it will. is actually 11, 11 a.m. In, here in the real world. So I know <laughs> the Americans are a little bit behind, but that's normal. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, you're ahead of the curve. Huh. Okay, so yeah. we are very uh, <laughs> just teasing. Okay, so really excited. We really do appreciate both Amy and Flat Earth Aussie. They're honestly, they've been on the channel before. They're uh, just really pleasant people. So we will start the timer up. So Flat Earth Aussie, the floor is all yours. Thanks for being here. All right, cheers. Um, as I said, it, when we had our little discussion 
pre this uh, debate, I haven't really prepared anything. That's my usual um, way of going into something. I'm always open to seeing what we can um, discover as we chat. But uh, since, <coughs> pardon me, since uh, I get to open this discussion, I may as well start with some very basic, obvious facts. And the very first one uh, being the lack of detectable motion. Um, <coughs> get a frog in my throat. Um, that one is a given. Yeah, we have seismographs. They are very delicate instruments and they will detect um, earthquakes. But any, as far as these motions of the earth, you know, some supersonic speeds, and that's just the spin alone, never been detected. Hence why you know, even Einstein had to develop a whole new theory of relativity to say relative motion because actual motion <laughs> cannot be detected. <coughs> Pardon me. So first of all, we've got lack of motion. Next of all, we have the, um, the basic um, nature of liquid, of liquid fluids of water. Uh, it does seek its own level. It fills the container. It cannot exhibit any sort of um, curvature as the globe earther has to believe that it exhibits. It's just something that exists in their imagination somewhere far away beyond the horizon that we've never seen. So. You know, the globe is basically a literal fantasy made up by people who just don't understand basic perspective. Um, basic perspective is something anybody can easily observe, just even in their own room that they're in. You can see how as the floor moves away from you, it appears to rise upwards. The ceiling appears to go downwards and eventually they will reach a convergence point. The thing is, when we're outside, in reality, you know, the earth is really, really big. So this uh, upwards convergence point that we see, it's only a mere few miles away. And that's what creates a horizon. The horizon comes from the term horizontal, which is something that most people really have a hard time grasping is horizontal. You know, they, they literally believe that um, it's a curve for some reason appearing to, to rise upwards until it reaches this horizontal point. And then you've got a fixed physical curvature. And I've done multiple examples where you can prove for a fact, you can see it, that what you think appears on the horizon, where the curve should be starting, all you have to do is get higher and you can see that it's just surrounded by more and more flat and level water if, if you're looking at something across the ocean. It is not a curve at all. And if the curvature existed, it shouldn't just disappear simply because you got higher. Um, the other one that the globe is, must cling to, another fa uh, fantasy belief, is gravity. They feel that uh, the mass of the Earth pulls everything towards its centre, whereas in reality, we see that there is a universal up, there's a universal down. There is no uh, anything being pulled around to the sides. Uh, that just simply doesn't happen. So these fictional thoughts that people have to have to believe in a globe, um, when, when you analyse them you know, logically and with a sane mind, you realise that they're just completely and utterly insane. Everybody is on top because the Earth is flat. There is no curvature. Things do not cling around the edges of something just because they get further out of sight, out of mind. That's insane. So I'm sorry that we were all brought up with the same fantasy that we believe we live on a spinning space ball in outer space, but uh, we literally do not. So um, I think I'll just leave it with that for now and 
I'd love to hear your rebuttal or what you have to introduce, Amy. You bet. Thanks so much for that. And one thing I just want to quick jump in. It, it could be my imagination. There might be, I don't know if it could be even my mic, maybe. is. Do you know, does anyone know if their mic is maybe kind of scratching across their clothing or anything like that? Because I feel like it might well, be my imagination because the chat didn't Can you say hear anything. me right now? Because I have it muted. You hear me? You hear me? Can you hear me now? Uh, I can hear your voice, Amy, but I, I, okay, I have a mute button gone. on my microphone, so I just want to make sure. The the rubbing could is, have been me. Sorry. The rubbing, oh, the rubbing seemed like it was gone. Yeah, I think my mic fell under my beard. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, that's but an impressive like beard, by the way. And we'll uh, we'll <laughs> kick it over to Amy. Ooh. The floor is all yours, Amy. Right. Okay. Can you guys see my screen? Uh, give me one sec. I've just got a. For some reason, I can I've see it on the over just phone, a yeah. bit. I'm almost set for you, Amy. Thanks for your patience. Oh, that's right. And while I'm adjusting this, thanks for your patience, Amy. Almost there. Want to let you know, folks, we are on podcasts. So if you love podcasts, check out your favorite apps and we will be there for you. Let us know if our podcast is not on your favorite podcast app and we will get it on there. So, and Amy, you are all set. Thanks for your patience. Welcome everyone to Why the Earth is Round, Flat Flat Earthers Existing All Over the Globe Edition. So... We're here to discuss why the earth is round. However, I'd also like to talk about some underlying principles like our epistemology, the scientific method, and our notions of skepticism. I'm gonna start with the assumption that we're all seeking truth. Thus, the history of discovering the shape of the earth began over 2000 years ago. Pythagoras, known for the Pythagorean theorem, was one of the first to propose a spherical earth. But it would be Aristothenes, a Greek mathematician, who would first calculate the Earth's circumference. He did this by writing down the angles of shadows cast from an eclipse in two different locations, miles apart, and then compared the data. However, it was Aristotle 150 years later, which added on to the mathematics to present empirical evidence. One of his observations was that the hulls of ships dip under the horizon first, instead of in equal proportions like what we would expect with a flat plane. This was further proven by Bernard Magellan and Juan Sebastian Elcano, who ended up circumventing the Earth by heading west and kept heading west until they started where they began. This would not be possible on a flat earth. Before I show two videos and introduce my special guest, I just wanna say that I believe this debate is actually about trust and authority. And you know what? That's actually a good thing sometimes. We shouldn't just trust everything that people tell us, and we should test our own arguments, beliefs, and hypotheses to see if they work. 
what grounds me ultimately as to why the world is round is the same peer-reviewed scientific process that allows us to create airplanes, cure cancer, and create condoms. So for any non-round theory to work, they would need a framework of facts that could be demonstrated time and time again, like clockwork. With that being said, I'd like to demonstrate two concepts. The first is water naturally gathering into round blobs in space. Is this supposed to be muted? I can't hear anything. Oh, you can't hear anything? Uh, no. Give me It's just been quiet for like the last second. 20, 30 seconds. <laughs> Got you. That's because I did not have share computer Put sound. So can you hear this air. now? Yes. 10, 100. All right. This is uh, water in free space. These are people floating in space and just letting the water molecules collect naturally milliseconds radially directed in from the side and look at the resulting waves and there's a combination of surface waves and body waves that go through this sphere we saw that in real time now we see it in slow motion starts off with a crater sending a droplet off and then a series of surface waves which come together at the antipoidal or 180 degree point from the impact and these waves collapse back down and uh, go across uh, the other side towards the impact point and water droplets in a bubble in a sphere. Here we have a sphere of water 75 millimeters in diameter with an air bubble inside about 35 millimeters in diameter and we inject water droplets anywhere from 1 to 8 millimeters in diameter into the bubble and look at resulting collision dynamics where they collide with each other and the walls. Most of the collisions result in an elastic collision but every once in a while a collision will result in a mass transfer across the interface and this mass transfer has a momentum exchange associated with it which will propel the droplets. Here a droplet is going in circular motion on the inside of the sphere, effervescent and acid tablet in a water sphere. Here's a sphere of water 50 millimeters in diameter with an effervescent and acid tablet. Uh, bubbles form rapidly from a chemical reaction. This is an example of a heterogeneous nucleation where bubbles form on a solid surface and can get a momentum exchange and travel out into the fluid. 
The bubbles rapidly coalesce. Once they reach a certain size, they seem to eat other bubbles at a faster rate, thus growing larger. And in this form of a bubble war, you end up with a bipolar situation with two large bubbles that rapidly eat all the other bubbles. And eventually, you get a situation where one bubble dominates and all the other bubbles are uh, pressed into an annular space. And all right, and then we're just going to go. And the second water is water bending on Earth naturally because of static electricity with my thumb little one. Frostbite Theater presents Cold Cuts, No Baloney. Just Science. Hi, I'm Joanna. And I'm Steve. And this is a piece of PVC pipe. And this is a plastic cup that has a hole drilled into the bottom of it. So when I fill it with water, it leaks out of the bottom. If I charge the pipe and then bring it close to the stream of water, the water is attracted to it. That's because water molecules are polar molecules. Water molecules look a little bit like Mickey Mouse. The two hydrogen atoms are bunched up on one side of the oxygen atom. And while the molecule itself is neutral overall, it has a positive end and a negative end because of the way it's shaped. Molecules like water that have an asymmetrical distribution of charge are called polar molecules. Let's say the pipe has a negative electrical charge. If I bring it close to the stream of water, the water molecule flips so that the positive end is pointed towards the negatively charged pipe. Opposite charges attract, so the water is drawn towards the pipe. This is an experiment you can do for yourself at home fairly easily. All you need to do is turn on the faucet so a little bit of water comes out. And then you place a charged object near the water. Any object that'll hold a charge will do, like a comb. Or a balloon that you've rubbed on your head. Or a plastic pen. Thanks for watching. I hope you'll join us again soon for another experiment. This made kind of a mess. It really did. Let's see, make this work better. But it's there just water. Go. That's true. Finally, I'd like to introduce you all to the star of this debate. This is a fantastic uh, channel that I'm subscribed to. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a live stream from the ISS, if you'd like to join. Um, it rotates uh, in different sections, uh, certain times when it's going into the dark side. But, I mean, it looks like a beautifully round, pale blue dot to me. It looks gorgeous. And so, yeah, this has been my presentation on why I think the Earth is round. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much, Amy. We will kick it into discussion mode here and want to say thanks so much for your questions so far, folks. This has been amazing so far. So the floor is all yours, Amy and Flat Earth Aussie. Hi. 
Oh, I can't hear you. I think, let me check if oh, you've you, uh, got you yourself on mute, Flat Earth Ox. Sorry, I was on mute. My bad. No um, some of that was um, seriously cringeworthy, I'm sorry to say. Um, like the whole idea of being in space, for example, like they say that the ISS, if it even does exist, is still in 95% of Earth's gravity. So how could things be weightless or microgravity, as they like to call it, if it's still 95% of the Earth's gravity? I mean, water doing that, as they say, um, it still doesn't prove how a big, giant, molten, spinning space ball turns into a sphere. As we know, like even um, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about the Earth being oblately spheroidal, if that's a term. Um, he says it's kind of like pizza dough. And we know for a fact, the more we spin pizza dough, the flatter it will get. So every argument that they use to try and prove why nature would turn something into a sphere is completely and utterly anti everything we can actually observe. The more you spin it, the flatter it gets. But the fact that it isn't spinning, it is just naturally flat because of density and buoyancy um, is pretty much all we really need to know to understand the nature of all the laws of physics, which is no curvature is ever taken into consideration for any sort of engineering um, that's ever occurred. Yeah, There's bridges over 100 miles long. And I don't think that that's really like the whole thinning. Uh, I'd like to see the evidence uh, uh, of that. It's really what keeps the ISS afloat is that it's falling. And so it is the same reason why planets have um, rings, is that you have material in a specific band that is not far enough to fall and not far enough to go away. And so it's stuck in this band where it is continuously cycling. And that's really what the solar system is, is that we are in gravity around the uh, the sun and then the moon is doing the same thing to us and in between that we have our own uh i mean that's where we have that's where our satellites are okay well that's hypothetically what they say but there are no demonstrable examples of something we can do that now if we spin a ball around on a string okay, that will stay in orbit around us. But if you let go of the string, the ball flies off in a straight line. Any example we have of gravity pulling something towards something means they soon crash into one another and they stick. They don't just keep perpetually spinning around one another. It, There's um, no examples of that, except for the theoretical made-up stuff of what they say space is. But and I don't think it it's going on forever. Completely different. I, I think it's okay. going on for as long as it has uh, forced, hold on, my cat. <laughs> Got a cat. <laughs> my fur baby. Um, and a lot, a lot of the the two first videos was really to show that water can bend, that it does bend rather easily, that the molecules collect and coalesce, and. Before we even go forward, I wanted to, I really wanted to get a number. If you had to put a percent to how confident you were that the world is flat from 0% to 
How confident are you that the world is flat? Uh, 101%. That worries me. That worries me. When people are that, when people are that, um, un, cause that, that means that you are convinced okay, beyond such a shadow of a doubt. See, but even a hundred, I want to, is there even a room for that to become a 99%? Is there nothing look, in your look, I, I grew up believing we lived on a globe. You know, I used to watch the sunset all the time. I, my whole spiritual understanding of my existence depended upon living on a globe and it being such a unique, um, special blue ball that exists in such this Goldilocks zone that is so unique that, yeah, you can't even express it in words. And to me, that was my whole understanding of like who I am, what I am, where I live, depended on the globe. So for me to then eventually discover that that whole thing is complete nonsense, it's something that we're indoctrinated with as child, as children, um, to grow up and understand the nature of reality, it's a huge, it shakes your whole foundation of everything you are and who you are. So to, to ask me, you know, if there's room for doubt, there's no reason at all why today I would stand here and declare that I'm a flat earther if I had any doubt whatsoever. Like, to me, that would be, you know, you don't make a claim without having a knowledge and you don't get knowledge without having experience. Mm. And all my experiences have led me to this point where I no longer just believe in something because somebody told me it. I believe it because I know it. I feel it. You know, it's every essence of who and what I am is based on nature and the understanding of nature. And so to step outside of that and to believe in a fantasy, no, I could never go back to believing in a globe. Okay, I can understand that. I, I would say in relation to that, I'm like 95% to uh, anywhere from 95 to 99, but I can be proven. I feel like a crack could be made if there was actually information or data in my view that would uh, stick uh, within yeah. the peer-reviewed well, well, community. Good. I mean we, we should always keep an open mind about anything and everything. And trust me, you know, like when it came down to the globe, I, nobody believed the globe more than I did as I grew up. You know, people would say, you know, when it's their birthday, for example, I'd be saying, well, happy 15th trip around the sun. And they'd be like, huh? Oh, yeah. Because that's what we believe the Earth is doing. We're going on trips around the sun. So every year is another trip around it. That was my whole mentality growing up. So... For me now to realize that the sun is actually going around above us, like a um, the hour hand of a 24-hour clock, that's how we get the local 12 p.m. That's how time zones work. Everything makes so much more sense on the flat Earth. There's something with the globe Earth, because we're measuring an exact 24 hours every day, that, that means one spin of the Earth in the globe model. But if the Earth is going around the sun, and if it's going the exact amount of time each day then that means that we'd be out of reckoning with the sun by four minutes per day to the point where every six months day would you know midday would be midnight because we're measuring the exact 24 hours per day it's a simple logical deduction you know you can just 
draw that on a flat sheet of paper, put the sun in the centre, put a ball spinning exact like a clock, use a clock, that's perfect, uh, 12 o'clock at the top, 6 at the bottom, and every time it goes around this middle point, then the midday is going to be facing a different direction from what it was the day before. But you know, if we weren't measuring an exact 24 hours in a day, then the globe could possibly work. But because we measure an exact amount every day, it proves that it's the sun moving around above us and not us moving around the sun. I would like to. I would like. I would like to see. Uh, I'd like to see data for that. Um, are Are you suggesting that the sun rotates around the Earth? Not we rotate uh, rotates around the around sun. Above us, I, I, I say the sun oh, goes around the equator. So the equator mm -hmm. is the circle the sun takes, and the seasons are caused by the sun moving up. Uh, towards the northern summer, which is our winter, and as it comes back down, it creates the southern summer, but it's still going the exact same size circle around the equator all year round. It's kind of like uh, uh -huh. spiralling like a spring, and because it gets further away, it makes it appear to take smaller circles, and then when it gets closer, it appears to go bigger circles, but it's still going the exact same size circle all the time, hence why it's the same time even though it appears to take different size circles so let me just take this from another perspective let's let's put this in a game design or a simulation perspective say we're trying to make a day night system where we have a sun giving days and nights days and nights i do not understand how uh and not only don't understand but have have made day night cycles before where it has to, it has to rotate around the thing that you're doing. I, I, I like if at least I'm trying to figure out how this way, this way, not that way. This uh, yeah, it's staying how, perpendicular, parallel. I mean, parallel to the ground the whole time. So you're saying that okay? So you were saying there's a top of the earth, right? And that's where everything is. And then there's a bottom of the yeah, earth. Yeah, everything. And we on don't top. live on the bottom. What does the bottom look like? Who knows? Like, it's, I'd say it's just more and more density. It might be just floating in water. Is like, the bottom you know, the, flat? The, we, we don't know. I mean, all we know is that we have a water level and we have land that's, that's right. higher than water level. But what's beneath that? We don't know. We know more about what's in space, so-called space, than we do about what's down there. I agree. So, I, that's another thing we, I want to talk about, yeah, space. The furthest we've ever dug is only about eight miles. <laughs> and it reaches such a level of density we just can't go any further so we really don't know not 100 percent that's but um so so you are saying you have a good working knowledge of what it's like on the top but the bottom is just a mystery doesn't that seem a little like you're prioritizing well, the stuff where well, we live and kind of forgetting yeah all yeah because because what's really important is where we live, not where we don't live. You know, that sort of stuff isn't See, but it's even universal. relevant to our existence. We'd rather know things that are real to us, where we really exist, what's important, where life occurs. That's what's relevant to us. Down there where there's nothing, who cares? It's not I mean, on really a human level, I agree with you. But, like, I, the reason why I think the gravity model is so strong 
is because it works universally. It works whether we're on Earth or on Mars, whether it's a solar system billions well, of light years away. If, if, that's, if that's the case, then why do they have dark matter and dark energy? They actually need that to be 70% well, stronger than gravity to keep things it. from colliding together into a singularity. So gravity fails on every level. That's obvious. Yeah, they're more descriptive than they are prescriptive. As in, like, they tr they tried, uh, they, they, they did experimentation, and what they found is they kept on finding a force. And we don't know what that force is. Uh, dark energy is tearing us apart. Uh, it may be the thing that started inflation. It's pushing um, us to uh, away, which is why I wanted to ask, do you believe in things like Hubble's law? That's one of the core tenets of Big Bang cosmology is Hubble's law says that everything is being pushed apart. Everything, all the galaxies that we see are redshifted, meaning that it's in a frequency that's moving away from us except for Andromeda. Andromeda is blue shifted and it's coming towards us. That doesn't resonate with me for one second. I think you know, everything as we see is pretty much fixed. You know, Polaris is fixed. The stars rotate as a fixed body around it. You know, we almost entered into the sidereal day discussion before, um, which was what most globers will fall back to to describe why we don't, you know, why day and night don't change place every six months because they'll call the sidereal day 23 hours, 56 minutes and four seconds. But that's just the motion of the stars and that's why we can detect the motion of the stars. They can still come back to exactly where they were in 365.25 days. That's how the sidereal day measures the year. The sun measures the day, the moon measures the months because the moon goes 50 minutes slower than the sun goes around us. So that's why you know, we see the phases of it being lit by the, the sun. But these things are constant. They don't change. They, they have been with us since forever and they will probably keep on going forever. The, the whole idea of the expanding universe is another one of those things that is required to make us think we live on a globe. But once you dismiss that insane idea and just consider the fact that there is one physical plane and we are on it, there are no, nothing else is physical. Those planets are just lights. So They're how do you explain that, that everything is redshift, that all the other galaxies are redshifted and appear to be moving away from us? I, I just consider that very nonsense. I don't see that as something that actually does happen. Then we need, okay, then we need to take a step back. We need to like okay. go to meta. What is your view on the scientific method? The scientific method is to, first of all, A, make the observation. Second of all, <coughs> pardon me. Secondly, then you theorize as to why it happens, but you don't question that it happens. You know, like we see a thing fall down in the medium of air and say, so we say, well, is it a force or is it a lack of a force that stops it from falling? And so we say, well, if air is lacking the density, then it doesn't have the force to stop it. But the ground has density and that is the force that stops it from falling. But apart from the ground, it would probably keep on falling. So basically we make the observation first and then we develop the theory. Whereas the idea of gravity is to say, well, we, we've ignored what we can observe 
we're making up a theory to why a belief can work. And the belief is the globe. And it requires a made-up force. And then it requires more made-up forces to stop everything colliding into the singularity that it invented in the first place. Whereas if you just observe reality, you don't need to make stuff up. So the summation, are you a fan of the scientific method? Do you think that it is, do you think that it gets you to truth? Sorry, you cut out a little there. Well, do you think that the scientific method is a process that can help us distinguish what is true in the natural world? Well, yeah, obviously it's, it's observation of what exists. But once you start making things up about what exists, that's when you start entering into the realms of pseudoscience. But the scientific method should be it should be real and apparent. Say that again. The scientific method should be real and apparent, not something that exists within the realms of the imagination, like curving water somewhere over the horizon. But you'd agree at this point that you at least saw two different videos of water curving um water droplets you know with surface tension absolutely but that's got nothing to do with a standing body of water and i think you also brought up that one that used um, static water. electricity i, I wasn't yes. really paying too much attention then i got okay. distracted um <laughs> I but the static ADD, electricity uh, thing is still with moving water we're talking about uh water when it's standing still and when you've got enough volume it will naturally so you can fill its container and it will be perfectly level. And it's a, something we've been using for thousands of years to define what level means is the nature of water, liquids. It's, it's standing still relative to the fact that it is, it is stuck. So it's in its container and it's, it's pressed. Generally speaking, um, it's that gravity is pushing it down and almost always what well, happens all, 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 is that gravity pushes it down until some other force begins to push back. So an example is star fusion. So our, our star is locked right now. You say, why is it just standing there? And it's because gravity is pushing inwards and yet the energy that it's creating in the center is pushing outwards. And so you have this equilibrium where the two forces are fighting against each other. Now, eventually, the star is going to run out of energy. When the star runs out of energy, gravity wins. Gravity pushes it, and you generally have uh, a red giant if it's not big, uh, big enough, or you have a supernova if it's big enough. Yeah, well, that's uh, still entering into the realms of hypothetical stuff that we can never really so prove how I, do you I prefer the scientific stars? method means to observe reality well as far as i'm concerned stars are actually a sound vibration in a different matter of, or right. different material what? perhaps something we call as an ether like a star in a jar sort of thing it's a vibrational frequency that's what creates light but yeah you know, that's entering into another realm far aside from what do you believe in the concept of ether and you're that saying was... that gravity is a force well well yeah, you know, you're sidestepping the issue. We're talking about water being level. So okay. water has a mass. You know, it has its own mass, but because it's a fluid, that's why it spreads out and it fills the container. It's not because there's a force pushing down on it. 
apart from its own mass and the resistant force of the container. So the only force that exists when it comes to anything in the physical realm is actually resistance. It's not a, a pulling down because of mass. It's the actual resistance of the force. And so if the medium is lacking the resistance, which generally speaking, we talk about air, it doesn't have enough resistance to resist something with mass from falling through it. And that's what causes it to go down. And down is a very specific direction, perpendicular to the level. It is not sideways or you know perpendicular towards the center of a ball. That, that is just a theoretical uh, imagined thing that we can't observe. What we can observe using the scientific method is perpendicular down. If you apply a different force to it, yes, maybe you can push it sideways, but that requires another force apart from nature. You're saying it's being pushed so down. But if, there, if it was a flat earth, wouldn't there be a pre an equal and opposite pressure on the bottom pushing up? Wouldn't there be like... Wouldn't there well, be yeah, that's what I call resistance, yes. And resistance comes from density. So the density of what's beneath us is what holds everything up. You know, there's, there's no downward pulling force. It's just resistance, resistance being the force. So, you know, the different medium, you know, air, you know, or gas, solid, liquid solids, um, they react according to their density. And so something that's more dense displaces something less dense until it finds its level and has sufficient resistance to stop it falling any further. The density tower proves it. The air bubble rising in water proves it. The helium balloon rising in air proves it. It's no pulling force. It is just a density. Um, yeah, but then when you have a balloon, resistance. the helium once again fights it. It is stronger than gravity, but it's not. But a balloon won't also go out into space. It doesn't have well, that it's much actually, force. No, it's, it's just because it's, it's less dense than the air. And so it rises up in the medium of air because it's less dense than it which is why we have a pressure gradient on all levels. It's something that naturally exists. But if we're in a vacuum of space, the pressure gradient could not exist because you need something to contain a pressure gradient. So if we're not contained, it's just naturally existing because everything exists according to density and buoyancy. Without that container, if we're in a vacuum, the air is going to immediately seek to balance with the less dense environment it would just happen in a nanosecond we wouldn't have an atmosphere and then water because it boils in a vacuum at room temperature all that water would be gone would be as barren as the moon just like that but the fact that all this stuff exists in this pressure gradient can only happen for one reason and that's because there's a universal up and a universal down well how about the fact that it seems that like sediment and just like you said the uh just like different uh, elements that float, they seem to naturally sort themselves out, naturally getting pushed down According to until the we have a molten yep. core. Why do why why would we have molten? What what is generating a molten core in flat Earth? Is the, there is, is no molten core? That, that's no molten that's crazy. Core. The, the what is it? The molten just, core is insanity. Like oh. like seriously. If it was molten and heat rises, the heat would be expanding outwards at all times. It, it, it's just an insane heat belief to think that we have a molten core. Time. Like well, no, fair enough, need rock deep layers down under pressure, not... we have molten 
rock, you know, which is lava, and that seeps out through volcanoes, but there's no molten core. Mm -hmm. it's so where's the lava come from? It just... Well, underground. If, if you've got great pressure, great pressure creates um, a high amount of friction. Great pressure? Friction creates heat, kind of great and pressure? the heat has to escape somehow. Wait, what kind of great pressure? Because to me, pushing down. Yeah. The more mass, the more it's pressing down. That's why we have a pressure gradient in air, in water, and underground. And eventually that energy has to be released somehow. Just to ask, do you do believe in, uh, so what you did because you used it, you do believe in mass and all that. Do you, do you believe in atoms? Do you believe the smallest scale, even though we can't see them? I'm a little bit undecided about that. Um, I think that it's probably a made-up thing. Really? But when, when, we, when we enter into that sort of discussion, we sort of enter into another realm where, you know, science now seems to think that on the smallest of smallest scales, things are, um, look more and more like a pixel. And that could be just because we use computers, I guess. But if we live in a pixelated world, and that sort of does bring up that whole concept of it being a simulation in the first place and i prefer not to go down that road i like no, to think no, that no, it's an organic solipsism. real world <laughs> and we, we don't all just live inside a big computer <laughs> but so, it's possible <laughs> let me go uh, back to original question on what got us here you said you used to be a glober you're like i want to be a glober you know it, it may I don't want to be out there getting flack for telling the truth. What is, what is that set you on this journey? What was like the first crack? What was like made you like, hmm, that's a little weird. Um, this. I don't know if that'll show. See this book. Of the ages. Right yeah, it has a chapter in here uh, about the Tamarack Mine Mysteries. So anybody that does a bit of research into the Tamarack Mine Mysteries, there's not much you can find online. I've read this entire book on my channel too, for anybody who wants to see what's inside of it. I've read it all out loud. Um, it talks about all sorts of things. But the main focus of that book was it was talking about the Earth being hollow. And the author believed we lived on a planet still, but he believes it was hollow and there might be other races of beings that come from the interior of it. But the Tamarack mine mysteries, they did experiments where they hung plumb bobs down towards the centre of the earth, which is the accepted thought that you know, a weight will fall towards the centre of gravity. And what they wanted to do was to get a better idea of the size of the earth, is they thought, well, if they did two mine shafts a mile apart, and hung plumb bobs a mile deep. That will give enough measurement to be able to determine how big the Earth is. And the, the consensus was before they did this is that it curves about eight inches per mile squared. But when they did the measurements, they found it was eight inches further apart at the bottom than it was at the top. So that's what got my mind ticking way back when I first read that book. I was only about 18 or 19 years old was, um, what the fuck? How could the Earth get bigger towards the center? It doesn't make any sense. Are we on the inside of the Earth, which gives a lot of credence to the people that believe we're in the concave Earth, 
And for many years, I did believe in the concave Earth theory, and I thought, well, the whole universe could just be a hologram inside the Earth. We don't know. There are these lights that appear really small to us. Maybe they are really small. <laughs> they are exactly as they appear. They're not millions and millions of miles bigger than the Earth sort of thing. So that's what first opened my mind up to questioning the nature of reality that we live upon. How I came back to flat Earth reality was simply... Oh, and wait, just before we go, so, so that is what made you start questioning the mainstream the narrative or whatever. You yeah, want to yeah, call it. So, definitely. But that, but that didn't make you a flat Earth. No, no, okay. no. Gotcha. No, so secret of the word, ages. <laughs> so, so what led you to flat Earth? Well, uh, yeah, just it was the inevitable conclusion of questioning the nature of reality. Like, um, my father-in-law was a merchant sea captain. He spent his whole life at sea. Well, a lot of it, maybe, um, in the wharves and stuff. But he was a sea captain. And one day he told me over a quiet breakfast. He says he believes the Earth is flat. And to me, I thought that was the most insane thing I'd ever heard. All I could think of was, <clears throat> you know, all this water just running off the edges and stuff. Because I still believed the whole outer space thinking. But eventually, there was another friend on Facebook who you know, I'm no longer friends with for some reason or another, but he was the one that led me. He, he said he believed the Earth is flat as well. And I thought, shit, I, I like this guy as an intelligent person. I'm going to look into this and I'll prove him wrong. It will take me nothing. And that's how most people become flat earthers is they think that it will be easy to prove it wrong. And as soon as you start looking into it, you go, holy shit. There is no evidence that we live on the globe. It, it actually becomes one of the most insane things. And once you become a flat earther, you'd think, how could I have ever believed I actually lived on a spinning ball hurtling through outer space? It's, it really is insane. But we get indoctrinated with it from such a young age and everybody that teaches it, they believe it strongly. We got no reason to doubt them. We, we never really question it and we just accept it as a given. But it's only when you really, truly get down and start questioning it, that's when you start to become a flat earther. And everybody looks, as though, looks at you as though you're crazy. You know, they treat you like an imbecile. They insult you. They do all sorts of rude things to you. You're a fucking maniac. Or, you, know, you name it. I've suffered it all. But <laughs> I'm a truther. And I only care about the truth. If the earth was a globe, I'd be happy to go back to believing that but i can't see any evidence for it sympathetic it, to that line that line i'm sympathetic to <laughs> being a truth i'm just here for the truth yeah that's it you know, and whatever it leads you to you just say well if that's what it is that's what it is you know if everybody thinks i'm insane because of it so be it that's their problem they're the ones suffering the insanity not me even though they try to project it onto me yeah I'm a realist and I'm a truther. And I don't think you're insane. I, I know I'm not insane. <laughs> uh, okay, that, that, so that makes sense. So bringing it back then, and we're looking at this, this earth that I'm not sure what the bottom is. I want to know how come, a common question that got brought up, how come the other planets appear around why, or sphere. Why is it that all these objects in the universe appear sphere? What is it about the Earth 
that makes the Earth so special that it gets to be flat? Okay, well, I reckon the only thing that we can claim is actually spherical is the moon. And so far as we know about the moon, all we ever see is the bottom side of it. So we've only ever seen the one side. You know, we claim that it's spinning just enough so that it keeps shining the same face to us. But as far as I'm concerned, nothing else that we can visibly see outside of the Earth is actually a sphere, a sphere, or actually terra firma. Have yeah, you they're seen just lights pictures in the sky. Of Jupiter? Like pictures of Jupiter, yeah. Neptune. We have really good yeah, yeah. spherical pictures. Yeah, but the most of the ones that they they show to us then become um projections or cartoon images. They're paintings. They're man-made images. When we look at it through reality, you know, through a telescope or you know, a highly advanced camera like the Nikon P nine hundred or P one thousand, we we see them to be shimmering lights. We don't see them to be physical terra firma. Now, if we could actually travel to them and land on them and say, wow, this is solid land, I would then change my mind. But we can't. They, they are lights in the sky. And they're exactly as they appear. They are not terra firma. The moon, I believe, is possibly or is probably um, physical. So but why, else why the lights. moon? What, what makes the moon special that it gets to be round? Well, it's the only one that we can physically see and see how the sunlight hits it at various stages through the phases of the month as it gets nearer and further from the sun that we have, we can see the shadows in craters, which I've always suggested were formed more as um, bubbles bursting in a molten surface as opposed to being hit by something else physical. Um, it, it, it shows itself to be round, and spherical and physical. Nothing else does. I mean, I, I agree with you uh, that it looks spherical, but um, wouldn't that mean that there has to be, even if we don't know it, there has to be some force that made that made the moon spherical. There has to be some reason for why it's a sphere. Yeah, well, I get laughed at quite a bit because the theory I came up with, but um, I suggested it come from Earth. It was made on Earth, probably by uh, genetically bioengineered beings that were giant in stature and so i get laughed at oh you believe giants blah 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 but yeah i believe you know i don't laugh at anybody i've heard so many claims at this point i'm just here to here to love yeah well my theory is we, we know about magnetism and we know about diamagnetism so uh magnets repel just as much as they attract so whatever the moon was made out of as it cooled the magnetic properties kicked in, which was what keeps it diamagnetically opposite to the Earth. And because the, the oceans being made out of salt water, they also have electrical properties. And that's why the force of the, the moon going around is being repelled from us, pushes tides around. Yeah, you know, I think that's the only explanation we have for tides. On the globe Earth model, they say the moon pulls tides, but we've got one moon with one mass and we've got two tides every day. On the, only on a flat earth does that make sense where the moon the repelling force the that keeps it aloft pushing the tides around as it reaches a continent then the ocean obviously then wants to naturally rebalance that creates the secondary tide back on the opposite shore and by that time the moon comes back around again and starts pushing the tides around again there's no explanation for that on a globe there's like a bill o'reilly quote in my head it's gonna be like tides go in tides go out you can't explain that. 
Um, so you actually are open to the fact that, because that's how our current model, at least from the gravity physics standpoint, is that the Earth actually forms as kind of like leftover stuff from the sun's formation. And then the moon formed from stuff from the earth. And so, I mean, if you're saying that the moon could have came from the earth, that at least is partially similar to the globe model, but it's generally that there was something happened that flung material up into the air. And then once again, just like gravity, there was stuff in our in our area, and it coalesced into a thing. You, you do realize, of course, you know how your description of it is so extremely unscientific. Stuff happened, and something hit it and flung it up. <laughs> you know, it's the well, most unscientific it, uh, method you could come across. And I've been looking really like long and hard as to the origins of the moon. And so when you understand from the heliocentric perspective, they still have no idea. Like and meteor. they still can't even explain why it exists. It, it would be like a meteor that hit give... and blew stuff into the air. And, yeah, and blew stuff. And it formed stuff into Stuff as in ground. Sphere. Yeah, but it, it formed into a perfect sphere. When do you ever see chaos, a chaotic really event, perfect, create perfect but... spheres? And you if you look at do. the moon's surface, I mean, it only looks perfect when you you uh you zoom out but as soon as you zoom in you see all the imperfections yeah but even on... the even the craters themselves are almost perfectly spherical like they're round anyway like not I mean, spherical that's... because the sphere is obviously globular but the, the the craters themselves if they were created by a chaotic incident like a you know as they say a, a meteor striking they should be hitting at all different angles and be all sorts of crazy shapes, but nearly all of them are perfectly round or circular and they all have this little dot in the center, which is exactly like you see happen when, say, a bubble bursts in hot mud or some sort of molten material. So to me, the moon was created as a molten ball on Earth and then as it cooled and rapidly rose and set, those bubbles set into place and that's what gives us the craters as we see them. Um, to me, to be a chance reaction of chaos, it's it's too impossible. You know, to, to create a perfectly spherical ball of a moon from a chaos random chance of a meteor hitting the Earth and blasting it off, it's not. Like but the reason why it makes these quote unquote because they're not they're not quite perfect, but they're you know per round enough is because it's it's a force pushing from all directions. That that's what you would expect if you have a force yeah but okay kinda... when, when have you ever seen an example like in a war zone where bombs have been going off where all these bombs have actually made spherical impressions on the earth it just doesn't happen that way we like to yeah. say, say it does we like to think it does but in reality when we actually observe and look for examples of it when chaos happens it ends up chaotic when nature happens in its own fashion uh, we get things that can appear perfectly spherical or round, but it doesn't happen. Like the bubble, if, you, if a bubble forms, it basically forms into a sphere, but a drop of water doesn't. It's a teardrop shape. It's got the pointy end at one end, and when it hits the ground, it flattens out. 
but a bubble forming in the surface when popping, that creates a perfectly round surface. That's when you get even pressure, but not from a chaotic, random, disastrous event. I am always skeptical when I hear the words random, chaos, nothing, those words, because I never hear the atheist or the skeptic. Um, but but this is what the whole Big Bang Theory is all about. Random chance, chaotic explosion. Not that I know of. I, I know that the creationists use those terms, but I've never heard scientists use those terms. No, because they obviously... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you don't uh, invent a telescope by grabbing a lump of clay and looking through it, do you? To, to invent a telescope okay. means you have to use intelligent design. So everything that has some sort of intelligent design behind it must have been intelligently designed. That's the right. simple as that. That's a tautology. Anything that but was we can't even come close. Well, but we can't even come close to say inventing a mouse or a dog or a cat. These things have come from other mice, dogs or cats. You know, we we can't just invent these things from scratch. Everything that exists that's a living thing must have had some sort of highly advanced intelligent design behind it well before we've come along and start messing with it and observing it as mere humans. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way beyond our level of intelligence. So from my, at least from a designer's standpoint, complexity is what you don't want in a design. When you're designing something, you do not want the design to be complex. You want it to be simple. And so the fact that, that life is complex is evidence that it was not designed and that it would not have a designer. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Creationists don't hear that often, I find, but they need to hear it more often. Okay, so, so if I was to invent, say, a motor car, I know for a fact it needs a motor. It needs mm -hmm. four wheels. It needs some seats. It needs a steering wheel. And would it you want to design a complex steering things. wheel or would you want to design a simple steering wheel? That's right. But no, that was a question. Was... Simple or complex <laughs> steering wheel? Which would you rather drive? Handle bike or handlebars or a wheel. I don't know. It's, well, they both work. How, Anything you... that drives the wheels or steers the wheels would work. You want something kind of simple, right? You don't want to like, wouldn't want it to be really complex. Cars on a bicycle are far simpler than the than the round wheel of a car. Well, no. I, the reason they stuck with the round wheel. What I'm just trying to get being at. slightly more complex makes it more efficient and and more easy you to drive. You think complexity adds efficiency? You think the more your life gets complex, the more it's efficient? Well, in a sense, yes, it does because. If we otherwise, just why would a... we just use the handlebar? Back on subject. It wasn't me this time. I swear. <laughs> I love you, Ozzy. You're fun. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, James? If we, just to tie it back to the core issue, just wanted to redirect. And then maybe in about five, maybe five to ten minutes, we'll probably go into that Q&A as usual. Hey, but it's been fun. Um... Yeah, well, I, I had a feeling that, you know, Flat Earth is eventually going to to lead back around to the fact that we must be intelligently designed. So that, it, it's I, all part and parcel of the same thing. Even though I don't think it's tied, I, fi I know correlation is not causation. I find that 
the, the majority of the flat earthers are theists. That doesn't mean they're all like the hardcore theists, but I have just found a stronger correlation for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely don't appeal to another authority figure, like, for example, the Bible, in order to have my beliefs. You know, I, I would read the now. Bible, just like I'd read, you know, Secret of the Ages. I read all sorts of different things to then form my own beliefs for myself. So some people, unfortunately, just stick to one leading authority and they use that then to to declare that's why they believe in something and i refuse to do that i you know i like to be really widely read in as much different information as possible and that way i can uh, form the most coherent beliefs i think that's an awesome answer i agree with that <laughs> uh, i want to go on one go last ahead. thing before just just on the social issues because it's it's not really a scientific thing, but just from a logistics standpoint, we, we've had many people who were enemies, who you would think never agree on anything, use the science to do things. So for example, when the Soviet Union was at war with the, the Western powers or whatever you want to call America if you want to be specifically and we were going back and forth regardless of whether the two sides hate each, each other they both were like okay but we know the science we're not gonna we're gonna race each other and try and get on the moon we're gonna use spaceships and that that kind of adversarial relationship hasn't eased a little bit but uh, not only that, but like the private and the public sector, you know, like how does Elon Musk, who, who is constantly railing, you know, uh, against him, he'll, he'll say whatever the freak he wants. And he'll talk, if the government puts a regulation, he'll be like, screw them. I'm going on Twitter and telling them about it. How is it that all these people, Democrat, Republican, theist, atheist, um, communist, capitalist, how is it that all these people who hate each other, will even go to war with each other, use the same science to get apparently results. Okay, well, I see where you're coming from with that idea. And I think that it's, it's opening up the, the imagination towards then comprehending what is really going on. And I think that what is really going on is that all these so-called governments and different nations, they, 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 they're all figments of the imagination and they're conjured up to, to you know, make us believe in this separate, separateness or you know, there's a separation like we think, you know, Russians versus America type of thing. Whereas at the top, the people who are in charge of both sides think it's a wonderful tool to have us believing in separateness and they can use it to their advantage. They, and it can be very profitable to them. And the whole reason why it's profitable, you know, it's like everything is because they are gaining an advantage and us mere plebs down that you know the human level we are being manipulated and taught what to believe you know we're taught through the programming of television and all all the audio stimulation that we were raised with all our schooling compulsory schooling like it's compulsory to send your kids to school to, so they can get trained into the same things we're all indoctrinated with these same beliefs whereas in reality i think We'd be far better off if we didn't even have that 
programming in the first place. If, if we were just wanted to be free individuals and creating better and better inventions for the betterment of all of us, as opposed to this idea that you have to, you know, if you do invent something, if you're clever enough to invent something, that you can make a big profit of it and you can be one of the elite while all the plebs are paying for it to make you rich sort of thing. You know, but it's, it's all about this power struggle <laughs> on every level from the top down and yeah there is no russia or america that they both suffer the same um reality where they know they can't go to outer space but if they can trick us into thinking there is this dream of outer space that we can land on the moon and all this other bullshit we become sort of brainwashed indoctrinated sheeple Continuing Speaking of sheeple, <laughs> we can, uh, I was going to say, we were trying to get someone on the show at some point, but it's not confirmed. But I was going to say at the, also, whenever you guys are, I, I guess, given that Flat Earth Aussie started, we'll maybe give Amy the last word just because, not in terms of like a speech, but just kind of like the last word in the conversation as you guys have been going back and forth. I don't have a PowerPoint this time, so no, no unfair advantage. Cool. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure, Aim. Go for it. Me too. Did you have any last words, like anything in response to what Flat Earth Aussie just said? Otherwise, if you were all wrapped up and ready, we, we can go to those questions. Um, was it for him or me? Was for you, Amy. Um, no, that's it. Did you say I'm sp making an ending right now? No, no. I was just saying, like, last word in the conversation. Um, I think we're good. I could keep on pressing, but, uh, I think it was fun. I think we had some good back and forth. Gotcha. It's been a true pleasure. In fact, someone even in the live chat said, I think they said a cordial flat earth debate. That's rare. So... That is a, uh, it's a true fact about this debate. That's a special thing. So I hope you both feel very special and want to say thanks for your question from Ilya Moon. Ilya, appreciate it. Also, Ilya, thanks for your being a scrapper the other day with Sargon of Akkad. Uh, Sargon and Ilya were totally getting into it. So you, uh, you're a trooper, Ilya, and says, Flat Earth Aussie, answer me on debating me. Flat Earth Aussie, apparently Ilya wants a debate with you. Snap. Ilya. Oh. Ilya knows, right? I've got a little, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say little. He's a nice fella. He's a young fella. Um, he's a Russian descendant named Ilya. So, yeah. Um, I'd love to have a discussion with Ilya Moon because, unfortunately, I think that person is very emotional about the topic. Gotcha. This this might be a different Ilya, just because they, yeah. they... But thank you for your question. Maynard Saves says, No worries, Amy. They will deny all science. Nothing else to do but fire up a joint and say, Cuff them and laugh. Flat Earth Aussie, is this true? What was that? <laughs> they said they, the flat earthers, will deny all science. 
But are you, would you say you're pro-science? Would you say it's just a different interpretation? Or would you say, yes, throw science out. I am done with science. No, not at all. Um, I think throw out pseudoscience. And as I said earlier, you know, science should be observable. It should be logical. It should be conclusive. It should not be something theoretical out of sight, out of mind, like the curvature of the Earth. Gotcha. And Joe S., thanks for your question, said, Amy, water droplets for proof? Have you ever been outside to test if you live on a spinning ball? Um, I have tested things like centrifugal force, and I'm actually in the process. I'd like to do that um, water dripping experiment myself, but it's more about them collecting in space, like I showed in the video, or when they are uh, close, they attract and become one. Gotcha. Okay, thanks for... Uh... Sorry, just something nasty, stupid horror energy said in the live chat. Thanks for your question from T. Nelson. Says, Flat Earth Aussie Roscoe, what force causes the sun and moon to move above the Earth? Uh, that's just perspective. You know, the nearer something is to you, the higher it will appear. The further away it is, the lower it appears. That's normal perspective. I think even the most simple person could understand that gotcha and maynard saves thanks for your question said why won't flat earthers use technology to prove globus wrong when they have they proved a globe earth where are the pillars of the flat earth <laughs> what you mean things like the p900 <laughs> people have been using technology for the last decade to prove how flat the earth is we're advancing in our knowledge. We're not going backwards. But the globe Earth believers are going backwards 2,500 years ago to some ancient philosopher measuring shadows of sticks. We've come a long way since that. Gotcha. And next, did I just read the one from Maynard Saves or was that from T. Nelson? It's been a long day. Sorry, folks. It's embarrassing. Was it the one that, why won't flat earthers use technology to prove globus wrong? When they have, they proved a globe Earth. Where are the pillars of the flat earth? Did we just read that one? That was the one you just did. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Thanks. Sorry. Long day, like I said. Not a lot of sleep. <laughs> but thanks for your super sticker from 100th Monkey. Really appreciate it. And Gabriel K., thanks for your <laughs> question. Said, LED is denser than dirt, so an LED ball should sink down to the ground? There are other forces we see that's not in your quote-unquote model. Well, a solid is a solid, and that's a resisting force. You know, that's why it's a solid. If it's a liquid, it's less resisting, and if it's a gas, it's least resisting. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's all about the resistance of the medium beneath it. So it's not going to fall through, no, like a solid thing isn't going to fall through a solid because they're solids. Gotcha. I've also just been informed by John Rapp, I've been calling you the wrong name, Flat Earth Aussie, not Aussie. Thanks for that, <laughs> John Rapp. Appreciate that. And also, thank yeah, you for, <laughs> it's always good to get feedback. And Stupid Whore Energy strikes again. She asks, 
How does Flat Earth Ozzy explain the fact that the spherical shadow of the Earth can be seen on the moon during an eclipse? Uh, this is a beauty. Like, just get a ball on the ground in the daytime, get a flat sheet of paper and draw that across the ball, creating a shadow. And you will see the shadow is spherical. So if, which it isn't, but if it was the Earth's shadow causing the eclipse of the moon, uh, it would still appear spherical. Gotcha. Just out of, or not. out of curiosity, it sounds like you don't think it is the shadow of the Earth. I'm curious. No. What do you what do you think it is the shadow of? It's the shadow of another spherical body that's closer to the sun. It's often known as Lilith or Rahu, commonly called the dark moon. And like the new moon, when the new moon is so close to the sun, we can't see it because the lit side of the moon is obviously facing the sun and isn't bright enough to shine through the daylit part of the sky. So that's why we can't see this because um, the daylight actually blocks our view of anything too close to the sun during the daytime. Hence why we can't see the stars as well. And it is this object that occasionally comes between the moon and the sun and eclipses it. And the only light that then reaches the moon is that what comes from the earth. And because the atmosphere absorbs all the blue light spectrum, it's only that dull reddish light that actually reaches it. And hence we call it a blood moon because all our blue light is absorbed by our lower atmosphere. But enough light comes from the earth to, to give that dull reddish sort of look. So that's what I think causes a lunar eclipse. Gotcha. Thank you. It's always interesting to learn these different perspectives. And stupid whore energy all up in your face again, Flat Earth Aussie says... Why doesn't the angular size of the sun change throughout the day? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's another perspective issue. Plus, it's also an issue that comes to do with understanding the nature of light itself. Like the, the actual distance of the sun, as opposed to what we see it, is caused by the atmosphere once again. It's an atmospheric thing. So we see an apparition of the sun. And because the atmosphere is the same height distance from us the whole way, the apparition that we see appears to be the same size the whole time. It's, it's a very complex question, but it does have a logical answer. Gotcha. Thank you. And John Rapp, thanks for your question, said, Ross, why do two people well north and well south of the equator see the same face of the moon at the same time? Impossible if the moon is circling over us. Yeah, because you're still viewing it from opposite sides above a flat earth. The equator isn't like a cutoff point or something. You know, if it's in a sense, it's kind of like the big pizza. But if you're viewing it from two sides at opposite times and it's above the equator, then you're going to see the exact same moon, the exact same phase. You're just going to see it inverted. That's one of the main questions that Globus ask is why does it appear inverted? Well, that's your answer. It's because you are seeing the same moon at the same time. But you won't see it when it's on the opposite side above the Earth because it's too far away. Gotcha. And Kukaduraburadi, thanks for your question, said, Flat Earth Aussie, you can't see bacteria, oxygen, viruses, etc. with your own eyes, yet they exist. You can't navigate reality relying on just your eyes. 
true, but you can test these things and you can prove they exist. Like, for example, if you lit a candle and you put a jar over it, you'll see the candle go out because it's burned up the oxygen. So you can theorise that it was oxygen that makes it allow to burn. And the same thing, you can test for bacteria. You can see these things through a microscope. So these are actually observable phenomena. You just have to know the right test to check for them. P.S. Somewhat related, not really related, but I have a feeling you might say yes to this. We are looking for a debater who would answer yes to the proposition that alien abductions are occurring. I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling you might take the yes position, but I don't know. Flat Earth Aussie, would you, is this something that you, that happens to fit your perspective? I don't think aliens exist. And if, if they did, they come from the earth. And I think that they're another mind control thing that somebody with higher authority is doing to us. But, yeah, there's no aliens from outer space. Okay. Wait, do you think we're mind controlled? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, you are, Amy. Ooh, <laughs> just... <laughs> no, really. Oh, no, we all are. We just don't know to which level until we discover more and more levels. But we're all mind controlled. So Did they make you say that. Every, but wait, but isn't it? Wouldn't no, you no, say? No, I said it off my free will. <laughs> but wouldn't you say, flat Earth Aussie? Like, isn't it like once you become a flat earther, is that where you've broken free from the mind control? So wouldn't it be the case that you're not, or is there some way in which you're still under it as well? Oh, uh, look, I think that it's it's just a it's a doorway. Like once you enter one doorway into another room, you do reach another level, so to speak. But there's still going to be endless doorways that you can open and go through and continue to gain in knowledge. Like I won't say that being a flat earther is the be all and end all of knowledge. It's just one door, like a stepping stone, but you still want to get all the way across the river, so to speak. And there's who knows what lays beyond the next door. You know, that's I think part of the the beautiful thing about life and advancing in knowledge is that you can never know it all, but you can always enter into the next level of knowledge just one follow-up question is there any way to prevent the mind control like is there any way to fight it is it like a is it like a telepathic thing or do you mean metaphorically like we're just brainwashed by the media or do you mean like there's a wave that is being sent out that is like making people do that like the manchurian candidate kind of stuff i think i use the word stuff because the other word isn't I won't say that there's a, a universal method. You know, I, I think that, that we are brainwashed on many, many different levels, whichever way you, you sort of think of it. But um, it's like a, a magnetic force I, I think level. That we 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 have within ourselves an ability to tap into something that is above and beyond the brainwashing, and that is our reason for being. I think like either we give up and give in or we keep on fighting it and i think we are in a a basic battle for intelligence and knowledge and it never ends we we just have to keep striving towards something higher and i think that that is an innate thing inside of us that we're born with but we also are blocked from and the goal is to try and knock down those blocks and find out what it is so yeah it's a never-ending battle Gotcha. And also want to give a friendly reminder. Thanks so much. Mods, you have done a superb job. Really appreciate it. 
we usually, in fact, this is pretty much always the way it's been, is that, like, no hate speech. We all we don't even give you a warning. We're just going to, like, delete you. And then the second thing would be if you're harassing someone where it's kind of like, ah, oh, you look like you're going for the throat. You're not just, like, it's, like, one thing to be, like, man, your idea is the worst idea I've ever heard. Like, that's, like, frankly fine. <laughs> but if you're kind of like going after somebody where it's like, ah, can you like lighten up a little bit? We'll give you a warning. And if you keep pushing, then we'll just erase you. Also mods just want to ask if you could be your friendly regular selves as it's okay for mods, even though we're like a nonpartisan channel, the way the, the reason that mods, we, we say that they can kind of like make their own arguments or have their own opinions is because we let everybody be a mod. Like, we don't have any, like, we're not like, oh, we can't have a, an atheist or a Christian or a flat earther be a mod. Wait, That's... why Blue Ranch? Huh? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, flatter though, I see. So, but basically. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. Seriously. So we're, so we're, like, open with the mods. Like, we're, like, any worldview can be represented among the mods. We just ask that you be friendly and not be too hard on people. So we do have a little bit higher of a standard where we, we want the mods to be friendly Stupid more like energy. On a team skeptics <laughs> channel where they have absolute dickheads for mods and they time people out all the time for no reason just because they're flat earthers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just thought I had to put that in there. Where, are you talking about a channel sorry, from the past or one that still exists? Uh, team skeptic, like I was just on there. Well, just for a warm see. up before I came onto this one. I don't want to. And, oh, I didn't know it was a team. I don't want yeah, to go. Just yeah, yeah. it's gotten me in so much trouble before where I can't let any. <laughs> I I always ask now if nobody would be, if we wouldn't talk about anybody unless they're there to defend themselves. However, you want to debate Team Skeptic, including on the topic of his mods. I'm I welcome. did debate him once before here, so that's why I thought it was okay to bring it up because gotcha. I think it's ridiculous that his mods well, time okay. me out. We've got to get back to the subject. Time. Okay, so thank you though. Appreciate it, Flatter Aussie. Cool. For we uh, we have another question for you. Thank you for taking all these. This one comes from. John Rapp, who says, water tastes flat, trust your senses. I'm confused. Tastes flat. Sounds like a trolling, if I had to guess. But thanks for your... Show. Depends how much salt you put in it. Gosh, yeah. Gabriel K., thanks for your question, said, I don't think you are stupid. You just want to be heard. I feel disgust how most flat earth debunkers go... Oh, oh I think they meant disgusted. I feel disgusted how most flat earthers uh, flat earth debunkers sorry go about this good job amy thank you got some street cred out there and thanks for your question from gps who said what happened to fe core or f so it's capital f e c o r e anyone know karen what's fe core i have no idea I see it come up quite a bit, but it's not something I've ever even looked into. I think that might be people that call themselves a bit of a core group of the flat earth and they're trying to do something to prove it. But um, they haven't really entered into my realm of existence. So there's this hierarchy of flat earth people. Is this kind of like in, I think it's the third uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie where they they have like the nine captains of the seas, the like captains of the pirates, and then I think like the one of the grandmasters was Jack Sparrow's dad. Is that like you, Flat Earth Aussie? 
I have no idea because I haven't watched those movies. But um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling, though, that, that there is in the Flat Earth Awakening a certain group of people who think they like to be in control of stuff, whereas I've always been independent from it all and I remain independent, as I've always done, no matter what I've believed in. <laughs> I'm an independent thinker. You sound more like a hippie than a fundy. Yeah, I would I would prefer to be a hippie than a funny if you're gonna categorize me or something. That's a compliment. I know. <laughs> I appreciate it too. <laughs> Thank you. Super. I'm definitely not one of the group, you know. <laughs> and Andrew Gaps, thanks for your question. Said for flat Earth Aussie, if gravity isn't real, why does a feather and a dense object? fall at the same rate of speed in a vacuum chamber because the vacuum chamber <laughs> removes all the resistance of air that's all there is when when the feather is falling in the medium of air it's resisted by the air but you remove that resistance they're just going to drop at the same rate because there's nothing to resist so it just proves once again the density and buoyancy equation and the only force is resistance Gotcha. And Maynard Saves, thanks for your question, says, we all live on the outside of a spinning ball unless you're living in Dirinkuyu, then you're inside the spinning ball, so fire up a joint, why not? Thank you, I will read anything. Next, Patrick Weingarner, thanks for your question, said, Flat Earth Aussie, do you ever watch Simon Dan? I think you should. Yeah, yeah, I watch him occasionally and I leave a comment there and the next thing you know, I've got like 500 responses and there's no way I can go through them all. So, um, yeah, Simon Dam's an absolute idiot, mate. He, all right, he's well, we can, we're, like the we're not going to, but he's not here the to defend himself. We can't, <laughs> we can't go down that rabbit hole. Well, <laughs> bring him on and I'll debate him because he is the weakest link of the global. All right, but... all right. Featured pick. <laughs> Oh, man, come on. Steve's not even here. They, let's just say they're a critic of Steve McRae, which is... <laughs> sorry. Was, Steve McRae is, like, one of the most interesting characters. I We hope you're That's doing well, Steve. I heard that he... I was sad to hear... I, th I think I just saw this in a tweet today or some... In the last few days, I think I saw someone say that Steve felt that the, the chat here didn't like him. I'm like, no, Steve, we want you back. We miss you. So, but yes, it's actually Steve. like Steve and Godless. They get hate, but they're fun. They're, they're both fun. Yes, they're controversial, but we, uh, yeah, you know, they're a lot of fun. And yeah, Steve McRae, he's always up to something. It's He's really, he is. So we hope you're well, Steve. But yes, thanks so much for your questions, folks. We've got a few, maybe time for a few more questions. I want to quick get to Flash Gordon. Thanks for your question. Said, let's see. I'm going to try to see if we have any for Amy. <laughs> we don't. So sorry, Amy. But <laughs> let's okay. see. If you want to jump in and give some pushback, you can. Is that <clears throat> just to kind of get you involved in the Q&A is... He's Flash the Gordon first said, flat earther I ever met, so I'm just I'm absorbing. This is it's good to to learn. You betcha. And flat earth Aussie Flash Gordon asks, so why do you use transportation that uses globe Earth maps and globe satellite navigation? 
if you used your flat earth maps, you'd get lost. Why would they lie and say globe? Okay, well, first of all, all maps are flat earth maps. All global navigation is done by towers and undersea cables. There is no satellites. And the very, very small percentage of so-called satellites that may exist are satellites. They are things that are attached to a helium balloon high up in the atmosphere. Hence, it has the potential to be geostationary. If the Earth was really doing all these spinning, ridiculous motions that the Globers claim, a satellite would be absolutely impossible, let alone a geostationary satellite that would have to be going such magnificent speeds and such magnificent adjustments every day as the Earth is traveling 1.6 million miles per day around the sun, that it, that there is no technology we have that can do that. So satellites are just somebody's measure of insanity. Gotcha. And we did have a super chat just fly in from good old Maynard Saves. It says, Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Very snarky. I'm sure it is. I wish I could get back. <laughs> Sassy. And thanks for your... Let's see, we've got another question. This one comes in from Top Dog Shattuck. Thanks for your persistence. Said, for Flat Earth Aussie, can you actually steel man a Globe Earther's side in just 30 seconds? Can I do what? Steel man. Represent it in the most charitable way or strongest way possible. Yeah. In 30 seconds. It's kind of the opposite of a straw man. So when you straw man someone, you, you say something that really they they don't, a caricature, a caricature, I can't even say the word, of what they believe. So with a strong man, it's just trying to give the most charitable version. It's what do you think they believe? What are they trying to say? What are the go? What do Globers believe? Okay, what, so, what is so, oh, okay. So Globe Earthers believe that there is a pressurized spinning space ball covered in seventy-one percent water, hurtling through a vacuum of space against everything that we know is physically possible. It's hurtling around the sun. The sun is going over half a million miles an hour through the galaxy, but the Earth just clings along as though it's just wafting gently and we have a moon gently wafting around us as well and it's just going you know 28,000 miles an hour or whatever they say it is going because it's just gently wafting as we gently waft around the sun at ridiculously supersonic speeds and it's all normal because you know science gotcha and thanks for your question this one coming in from Sawyer Roney says question for ozzy if water does not curve what is your explanation for the behavior of water droplets uh droplets are dropping so they're in motion and so when something is in motion it will take on a different characteristic to when it splatters on the ground when it goes flat Gotcha. Thanks so much for your question. This one comes in from Jan Ike K. Thanks for your question, Jan. Said Flat Earth Aussie Aussie 
believes the moon is it true that Vlad or Thazi believes the moon to be spherical and the shadows to accurately portray reality if so how does that work with a geocentric view doesn't it contradict itself no not at all because I see both the sun and the moon rotate around above us and the sun is always going you know, it's exact 24 hours, but the moon is 24 hours and 50 minutes. And so that is how we get the phases and things that we we see as shadows in the craters. And it works perfectly as far as I can see, as long as they're both rotating around above us. It doesn't require a heliocentric model where we're all hurtling through space to work. Gotcha. And Solixis, thanks for your question comment says Ozzy describe what the vacuum of space is please there is no vacuum of space it's a nonsensical belief and um for, for me to describe something that's nonsense it's it, you know <laughs> it, it's crazy it's how could it be a vacuum if we have a pressurized atmosphere? Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from, let's see, Nine Tails Cosmic Fox asks, has Flat Earth Aussie calculated the similarity of the tangent line to the curvature of the Earth to find what altitude is required to see the curve? Well, see, that's what the, the globe earthers have done is they've back-engineered the actual reality of perspective, which is makes the horizon to appear to be horizontal when it's about three miles away if you're viewing from a six-foot height. And so they've back-engineered the curvature calculator to match what we see due to perspective and distance diminution. It's... Um, yeah, I, I've never seen anybody actually show curvature, how it magically vanishes because you got higher, but they still believe in it. So. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. Let's see. Gabriel K says, uh, let's see. Steve is naughty and also Amy, Ozzy and James, good one. So glad you enjoyed it. All credit to dearest Amy and Flat Earth Ozzy. And Gabriel Thank K also that says, wasn't one for me. <laughs> Amy, they say, man, Amy man. is the new Shannon Q. And we, I, I'm pumped about Amy. So that you've got a critic or no, not a critic. They're <laughs> no, I'll take it They're What's the word I'm looking for? What's, what would be the opposite oh. of a critic? You've got a fan. You've got a person who's an admirer. So mm -hmm. thanks for that. <sighs> Thank you so much. I feel like the weird thing is I finally got a good night of sleep last night, but today I have like all these like misfires. I'm, but thanks for your question. Solixis says, Flat Earth Aussie, you are awesome at dodgeball. You mastered the five D's. Oh, snap. Coming at you. Do you know what I can tell you? Do you, do you remember what the five D's are from the movie Dodgeball? Dodge, dodge, nah, dip, nah, dive, and dodge. They're they're giving you crap, Flat Earth Aussie. Oh, how dare they! <laughs> Flat Earth Aussie oh, that's has never happened to me before. Gosh, <laughs> I think you know. I've got to say, Flat Earth Aussie, you take 
all of the uh, teasing so well that not only do you not get mad, but you generally laugh it off. And so, yeah, yeah, because I can say that when people are projecting, they're projecting their own insecurities and their own weaknesses, and they're trying to put them onto me. And I think that's hilarious. It's like you poor thing. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> gotcha. And thanks you, uh, thank you, MC Flex, for your kind words. We are thrilled to host debates. And want to let you know, folks, no matter what walk of life you come from, we really do hope you feel welcome here. We're shooting for a mixed, kind of a, a melting pot of different people and ideas from all walks of life. And that everybody would be able to kind of make their case to everybody else on an equal playing field. And so we really do appreciate that. And so we do a that, great job of it too, James. Thanks for that. I appreciate it as well. Thanks. That's super I encouraging. I really appreciate it. And with that will say, I have put both of the links. I put all the links for our speakers in the description, folks. So that way, if you'd like to hear more, what are you waiting for? You can hear more at those links. I want to give a huge thanks to Amy and Flat Earth Aussie before we wrap up. It's been a true pleasure. Thanks, James, and thanks, Amy. Absolutely. The same. It's been a pleasure. We are stoked that we will be back tomorrow, folks. You'll see in the bottom right of your screen, S.J. Thomason and Snake was right. They will be debating atheist, or I should say secular ethics versus Christian ethics. And that should be a juicy one at 1 p.m. tomorrow in the afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that is. Then we do have, I think on Monday, no, no, we probably have one on Monday too, but I know Wednesday for sure we have Erica will return Gutsick Gibbon, she'll be taking on Shadow Dancer. So that should be a really fun debate as well. So with that, I want to say thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out with here, uh, for hanging out with us here. Thanks so much for your encouragement, folks. It really does mean a lot. And we hope you keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. Take care, everybody. Cheers, James. Bye. Thanks, James.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.